Hello, and welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast, where we work to understand how older athletes can achieve high performance and longevity in athletics. I am Joe Lavelle with Dr. Glenn Winkle, and this is episode 29 of our podcast. Today, I have a super special discussion for you with Dr. Steven Seiler on athletic longevity for older athletes. I asked Dr. Seiler to put his big brain to work on the question of how can older athletes keep the wheels turning as we age into and past middle age. He did not disappoint. We talk about his YouTube presentation on aging called Does Our Endurance Machinery Slow Down at Different Rates as We Get Old? And we eventually get down to a set of guidelines for older athletes who seek athletic longevity. According to Dr. Seiler, it all starts with doing something that gives you joy, but there is so much more. Be sure to check out the show notes for a summary. I promise you'll find great value in this episode. I certainly did. Let's talk to Dr. Seiler. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Steven Seiler, who I think of as the father of polarized training. Welcome, Dr. Seiler. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. And uh, hello from Norway. Yes. Actually, a, a sunny day in Norway. It's beautiful. Well, that sounds wonderful. I have not ever been, and I, I've always wanted to go. I wanted to say that I have been reading and listening to your advice on endurance training for years, and in a sea of quote-unquote expert opinions, only a few people stand apart as truly science-based who live the life. You are among that elite few, and what sets you apart from them is your ability to simplify. It seems so effortless for you. I'll bet that it's very hard to do. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you're doing now? Oh, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm an American. You hear it in my voice. I'm not Norwegian. I've lived here 25 years, though. But but I was raised in the southern United States, Texas and Arkansas, born in Berkeley, California. I like to throw that in because I just want to connect to the hippie culture of, you know, the 60s. But nice. parents moved to back to Texas, and, and then I went up to Arkansas. And so, you know, I grew up in that conservative uh, farm farming world simple and lived out on the land you know and and so I, I lived in Dallas but then I grew up in the country and I think that was good for me I, and maybe it help, it contributes to that idea of keeping things simple uh my grandfather was a preacher you know I grew up in out in the country and had to had to entertain myself you know I didn't have very many neighbors and so anyway that I think that's at least part of who I am is still that country kid and just like and understand how things work and had a laboratory under the stairs, but played sports at the same time. And so sports and science were kind of always part of my life. And then I was really lucky that I discovered that they could, they could merge, you know, they could come together as a, right. as one passion that was both almost both hobby and income. So I think anybody that, you know, whenever you get to do that, you're really lucky. And, and I'm, I feel lucky to, get to, you know, I get paid for doing something I'd probably do for free. That's awesome. That's, that's what they always told you to do when you were a kid, find something you love to do and you'll never work a day in your life. I'm not sure anybody said that to me back then out in the country. They probably, they just said, you know, go make up your bed and, and straighten up your, you know, I I don't remember any of those really nice quotes. It was mostly, you know, just do the work and earn your keep. But but that's kind of the same thing. If you do the work, thing, good things happen. There you go. Well, good. Well, so the reason that I asked you to join me here today was a presentation you published on YouTube, which I, I never actually saw any reference to anywhere. I just happened upon it, uh, looking at a that big set of things that you've got there. And it was called, Does Our Endurance Machinery Slow Down at Different Rates As We Get Old? I found that particularly interesting since of you know, number one, I am in that older group, but also because I was at the same time thinking about the question about how can I and all of us older athletes keep that machinery for performance today going while also doing the right things for athletic longevity, which by that, I mean more than just health span, but being strong and active, even competitive late into life. As a joke, I've always said, I don't want to take a bus tour of Italy when I'm 80. I want to do a bike tour. So I think that there really is something to this idea that a healthy athlete is a strong athlete. And you are a member of this 50-plus athlete group yourself, Dr. Seiler. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I'm I'm 55, coming up on 56, and so I am definitely in that in that age span. Yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason, this thought came into my head while you were speaking. Is you know, I was once on a photo safari in in South Africa, and um, you know the the guard the guide was talking about you know one of the big five in Africa to get to see is the water buffalo. Yeah, and uh, he was talking about how the you know they of course are a herd animal. And, but when the buffalo, when they get older, when the male buffaloes get too old, they just basically get pushed out of the herd and sent on their own. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, a, you know, and then eventually the lion's going to get them. It's just kind yeah. of a matter of days because they're not going to have the protection of the herd and, and the lions love, that's what they want are these isolated, weak, weaker animals and so it's that's nature this kind of works that way is that everything about how we're designed um evolution in an evolutionary manner is 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 about being best when we're young and being able to pass on our genes and then after that happens evolution really just doesn't care about us very much you know <laughs> once you break 30 Nothing about us is designed for longevity by evolution because it's yeah. just not a, it's not really an issue. If I've already passed on my genes, then, you know, my work is done. <laughs> it's from from a from that perspective yeah. and the water buffalo, whether you're the lion or the buffalo or the human, we're all in that same boat is is life is unfair in the sense that it's disproportionately brutal after age 35 40 because we do start to decline uh the the physical aspects the recovery and that starts to deteriorate but you could say you know the things that decline youth is associated with power right yeah in many ways with with explosive power and the ability to chase and win the fight and climb the tree and aging is associated with more wise <laughs> being wise but being slower but maybe also being smarter and more enduring yeah. and to a certain extent you know that is true physiologically as well is that physiologically the deterioration the first thing that starts to go is just that maximal explosive mobilization you know the okay. the vertical jump the 10 second sprint the the power you know well not powerlifting because that's not really power it's, it's a weight it's a strength but but that even even maximal sympathetic stimulation is starting to go down after about age 25 it's it really is a young man's game the, the sprinting and things like that the young person's game and then you reach you know things that are associated with just the the combination of everything you can still do really well into your 30s maybe up pushing 40 uh but then then pretty much you can't fake it anymore yeah you know experience is not going to overcome that gradual decline and so in that video i said well there's some key things that happen and one of them is maximum heart rate starts to go down that's a function of that that sympathetic stimulation you know that mobilization maybe it's almost protective the body's starting to say look you you shouldn't accelerate that hard anymore maybe you know you you're not we're gonna not gonna let you at your age turn on that kind of power because something's gonna break anyway so let's just <laughs> you know what i mean you, you, you know so the little governor on the engine it, yeah you know the the we just can't Maybe it's protective. I don't know, but it, but it, but whether it is or not, what we end up is is we just don't have that top end. Yeah, we start to lose that top end, and then we start to lose strength. Starts to decline more rapidly after age. You know, right about right about where I'm at, about mid fifties. Then they say, you know, you can see from the data that that you start to get this accelerated muscle atrophy. You know, we lose fast twitch fibers preferentially. We lose, we lose our big muscles in our butt. You know, our hips, the power muscles, they start to, you know, contract in. 
Yeah. You know, old guys have no ass as they say, you know, right. <laughs> well, that's just, there's an actual physiology to it, but that is to at least a reasonable extent, it is preventable or it is slow downable. Let's, let's put it yeah. that way. You, you can't yeah. prevent it, but you can slow down, slow it down with some strength training, you know, and then, and then there's this, of course, this, everybody, as we get older, we'd start talking about how. I'm stiff and I don't, I'm not, I can't sure. touch my toes. I'm not flexible. And I'll, you know, to some extent that's also preventable, but it's also a part of just all the heritage of our youth and our over exuberance and our injuries. And it just all, we carry it with us. You know, we've all got the bad shoulder and the, you know, I, I was working out the other day and I'm at this fitness center, I decided I need two days a week of real strength training around people and kind of get motivated and see the young guys and everything. So I'm doing that instead of my home training. I was just training at home. Yeah. But I decided I needed to see the young bucks, you know, because it made me, I, I, in comparison, I would remember, oh shit, I, you know, I need to do some work, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm talking to this 70 year old guy. We're sharing a, these straps that we're doing push-ups in that are unstable. And we're both doing like, you know, I'm, I'm rubbing my left shoulder. We're both rubbing the same shoulder after each set, you know, and kind of, you know, making a face and moving our shoulder yeah. with that exact, that same old guy grimace, uh, you know, damn my shoulder. <laughs> but, yeah. but we're both doing it and we both have our issues, you know, our old injuries that we have to just live with. Yeah. And that's that's part of this game, but we don't give it up. We don't quit doing the strength training. We we kind of do some slalom around around the injuries, work with the injuries, and that can make a difference towards that being able to do that bicycle tour at age eighty. I, I'm absolutely convinced of that because you know in my video I talked about that you know our, the Achilles ruptures and these kinds of injuries yeah. that tend to happen. The, there is science behind it. There is a real change in tendon cellular structures. They're, they're just becoming more, less elastic. They're more brittle. Right. Uh, so there is a reason we're stiff at, you know, in the morning when we wake up. There, it's not our imagination. It's, it is real. And it's both just the aging process, but it's also, what should I say? It's a collection of past sins. Yeah. The scars are there, literally. The the tissue, there's damage. Uh, some of us have quite a few of these injuries because we, we did stupid sports when we were young, like football, you know, and, right. and broke stuff and, and dislocated stuff and others, you know. So we've all got our stories, our injuries. Yeah. I broke two ribs eight weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm probably gonna be dealing with that for a while, you know. <laughs> so Sure. It's, it's part of it, but we strength training helps for sure. And then, you know, the, the other gist of that video was that, Hey, okay. It's, but it's not all bad because relatively speaking, I have never been as good an endurance athlete as I am now. Wow. And that's true for a lot of older people. And it's because I've gotten better at going longer hmm. because I used to try to solve every problem with power. Yeah. With more higher lactate. You know what I mean? You know, I, that was my, my strong suit as a mediocre athlete was my anaerobic capacity. And as an older guy, now I'm smart enough to know that, if I work on my aerobic side, it represents a bigger part of my total engine. And so if I get a bit, you know, a few percent better there, that's a bigger total change. That means I've got that with me two hours into a race and not just three minutes. And, you know, so I, I'm a better, you know, in many ways, I'm a better endurance athlete now. Back then in my youth, I could do, you know, I was decent you know, a master's national champion with a team in rowing. Nice. But that was, it was a thousand meters. It was three minutes, you know, that my endurance training, I was good for stuff that lasted between two and 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but after that, you know, I was off the back. And so 
I think that's true in general. Uh, it's true for me, but it's true in general is that the data shows that we are, what should I say, our muscular endurance decays or deteriorates much more slowly. And in fact, almost not at all, relatively speaking. If we use it. If we use it, the, the mitochondria, the capillaries, all those things that make us better at going longer, they, that adaptability doesn't really decline. It's just that the power of, of blood delivery to the working muscle does decline because of uh, maximum heart rate going down. So that top end is deteriorating a bit. But uh, in a way, you know, I'll give you an example. Last night I did, I, I just said, I need an interval session, but I want to have fun. So that I saw there were these two really short races on Zwift. And I mean, really short. They were like, the first one was nine and a half minutes. And the second one was 13 minutes. And that's even for Zwift. I've never, I've never been in such a short race, yeah. but of course it was just, of course, you know, <laughs> maximum tennis balls to the wall to put it that way. And, uh, so it was good training and I even measured my blood lactate and I can still make, you know, 18 millimolar lactate. So it was high, Wow. but you know, in, in the first race, you know, I'm with all it's 400 people and I, Hell, I got my butt kicked. I mean, I was number like 30 something and, and, uh, you know, didn't have a chance to be in the, in the, in the chase at the, at the very end, uh, when those guys pushed me, but the next race, I was actually better. I was relatively better against the same field. And this was on the same evening. Yeah. It was 12, 15 minutes later. Oh my. So there were two, two races, 15 minutes apart. And so that was kind of the, the concept was this double race. And so we take off in the second race and I'm expecting to just get, get it handed to me, but actually I'm thinking, come on, let's, let's go boys. Let's go. You know, because I'm <laughs> relatively speaking, I recovered maybe better than most of the field because there are a bunch, a lot of them are young bucks with lots of power, but maybe you know, I do a lot of two and three hour rides now, and it just seemed like I was relatively speaking more in the hunt and, and able to maintain. And, and so I, I don't think that's just me. I think that's us in our, if we work, that's our strength. That's our card to play as cyclists, as runners. It is what happens in the second and third hour. That's where we come uh -huh. to bear. Uh, and that's where we need okay. to, you know, if I'm, if I'm giving myself a goal, I'm saying I'm going to be better in that second and third hour than I've ever been. I'm going to accept that I'm not as fast in the first hour or the first 30 minutes, Okay. but I am relatively better in the, th you know, if the race, if I'm in the hunt at two hours, then, then I've got a shot because they're tired too. You know, you with me? Yeah. Yeah. And so. You know, and that's what motivates me as a 55-year-old. So to some extent, we've been talking about going to the gym and doing strength work and try to hang on to your type 2 muscle fibers, that sort of thing. In this last bit, part of this solving the equation for the older athlete is you're going to have to have new strategies, new things you like to do that accommodate what you are still good at or maybe even better at than you were before you know, not beating your head against the wall and continuing to go after the things that just physiologically your body just won't tolerate you doing at the same level as before. So you're, you're not going to be as competitive. So therefore you're not going to be as happy. So therefore, why are you going after that? Yeah. And it's a great synopsis. And that's, you know, part of, I think, successful aging, as you allude to, is being at peace with and ex accepting certain realities, that doesn't mean caving into them, but it does mean I accept that I am not going to have the same maximum power on a bike or in a vertical jump or a broad jump or whatever that I had at age 18. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But that's okay. But what often happens is, is we try to double down. We say, dang it, I'm not as powerful. I, my five-minute power on the bike is not as good. I'm going to do more five intervals, more 
three minute intervals. I got to get my power back up. Well, you're going to just beat your head against a wall. You're going to end up over overreaching. You're going to stagnate. Sure. You're going to, you know, and, and so it's, that is the kind of thing that makes training no fun. Yeah. Whereas, so, so I still, we all need to, we still need to do that interval training some, but we need to just do an appropriate amount, maintain, but, but start looking where are my strengths, relatively speaking, and how can I improve? And so I know with my physiology, with my past and everything that I've got room to improve on that, what we call, you might call it that extensive endurance side. I can get better at becoming more efficient at having more left in the tank at the end of two, a two hour master's race. So that's where I'm working is if I can, to give an example, you know, maybe back in the day I could produce 1500 Watts in a sprint. Now I produce 1250 and I'm not going to ever get to 1500 again, uh, on at least not on an indoor bike, but at the end of a two hour race, nobody's producing 1250 Watts. We're producing 800 if we're lucky because we're all tired right? Yeah. We're all beat up. We're all. And, and so then it's a matter of if I can, in that environment, when everybody's tired, when we're all struggling and we're all 40 plus, if I can get from 800 up to 875 in my peak, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, then I, I'm winning stuff. So, yeah. so then I'm happy, yeah. you know? So that's, I think that's the game. That's, it's still, we're still working hard. We're still training, but we just need to look at like a a warrior does look for the opponent's weakness. Well, look for our relative strengths against the younger guys, relative weaknesses. If we still like to try to raise the younger guys. And then that's where we do our, do our best, you know, do our, do our, try to do a little damage, you know? Yeah. Cause look, man, the competitive stuff doesn't all, doesn't just go away. We're still, what should we say? we're still lions, you know, we're still at least a lot. If we were competitive when we're young, then we generally going to be a little bit competitive still when we're older. That doesn't get old. Well, and there's, there's just something about competing, about racing that makes you feel more alive than really almost anything else. And I say that only to leave myself room for someone to say, well, what about this? I don't know of anything that makes me feel more alive than that in the moment, in the race, where I'm hanging on by my fingertips and I'm, you know, I'm probably not going to win, but I'm in it and I got yeah, a shot yeah. and I'm given everything. Yeah. It's a great feeling. I mean, it's a, it hurts like crap, you know, but, but, but it's a good hurt to be able to do that. I think is we have to, I think we're blessed. You're, we're blessed when we're able at our age at 55 at 60 to fully engage to fully mobilize that is a blessing that we need to remember a lot of our even aged friends and and family and and so forth associates they can't do that anymore for whatever reason so i am right man I, I i think every time i get off the bike and i'm about to pass out i think man this is great I can still do this, you know, and it was, and I've had issues like atrial fibrillation where I've been afraid it was going to be taken away from me forever. You know, I had a couple of years where I couldn't do the high intensity stuff. I just had yeah. to quit. So I, man, yeah, I love it. And, and, and I'm like you, the only time I hit max heart rate nowadays is at the end of a race. Right. You know, that's when it still happens. Mm-hmm. Not all races, but the right, you know, the right kind of race, I can still hit, the absolute, my peak heart rate. I don't do that in interval training. I don't do that otherwise. You know. Yeah. Well, in fact, I'll admit that I don't even do interval training. I can't bring myself to suffer like that <laughs> yeah. for nothing in the short term. I got It's got to be in the moment that I'm, the reward is now. Right. And that's why I'm doing it. Right. And so racing, I do. That's my high intensity work. And yeah, I only know my max heart rate because I'm in races. Yeah. Well, and so as we transition to the next part of this, uh, I wanted to revisit something you had said where, you know, we've got to come to grips with the fact that we're changing and, you know, banging your head against the wall isn't, isn't the way to do it. And so what I went through my mind when you said that was you can't 
get to where you want to go by doing the things that got you here. You know, this progressive overload thing, just building up and trying harder. And when you can't do something, you just try harder. Mm. You know, that got you, that got you somewhere that, that got you that addiction to working hard and training hard and, and then competing well. But we're, we're past some of that where you can't just say, I'm going to out train aging. <laughs> that in fact is a losing strategy. Yeah. It's no longer about getting as much training in as you can. It becomes a, everything is based on recovery. What do I need to do to get the right balance of my training so that I can recover from it, not get injured from it and go up from there, you know, as, as I can on the, in this same idea of, of progressive overload, but still it's, it's a little different in the, in the emphasis of it. So I'd like to get to, well, what should the older athlete be doing? We're talking about athletes here who are used to training hard, but their bodies are changing as they get older and they still like what they like. And so how, what can people do to keep the wheels on, keep it going? What would be like general guidelines or rules of thumb for the older athlete to do? But before we jump into that, I'd like to point out, I recently had heard that the three indicators of longevity, and by that, I mean, in this article that I read based on a study that was looking at three attributes of older people and the people that rated higher on these three things tended to live longer. Those three things were VO2 max, lower body strength, and grip strength. Are these well established? Do these sort of ring true as things that, yeah, these are reasonably good to work on for longevity? Well, yeah, but I think we need to be careful here because this is the research that you're referring to is looking at everyone, everyone that can walk and chew bubble gum, you know, and trying to look at what's the big picture on aging and longevity, not because your audience and I, I always compare myself with really good athletes. And then I feel like a, just a absolute low level person, but I do know that at age 55, I'm pretty fit. Yeah. Compared to most 55 year olds, you know, they're walking around the street. Uh, so that study you're talking about is looking at a, the whole population where you have a lot of people with a VO2 max of 28. If that number means yeah. anything to you. Sure. <laughs> Meaning they are out of breath after three flights of stairs. Yeah. Right. So, yes, VO2 max acts as a surrogate measure of just survival capacity you know that obviously when your vo2 max is zero you're dead and and when you're in the higher your vo2 max relative to that the more survival the more mobilization the more room for uh surviving an injury for surviving a heart attack for surviving lots of stuff you have yeah it's representing just your your reserve basically and, yeah. and you can say the same for that maximum strength measurement so that that's a big picture thing that those are just surrogates for saying, is this person still got, you know, a reserve that will allow them to tolerate life's inevitabilities like crashes, injuries, sickness and stuff like that. You know, so that let's put that to the side. That's true, but it's really not. We know that in the sense that, you know, more is better if you got higher VO2 max great. If you got higher strength, good. But now let's talk about us. We're athletes and we're already doing, you know, more than 95% of the population, right? Yeah. But based on what you've said though, it still says that the things that we want as athletes, better VO2 max, retaining our type two muscle fibers, more strength, those things are consistent with longevity. Right. Yeah. It's not incompatible with, with, and I think you're, what you're trying to get at, and, and I go with it, is that the maybe you could say that in our youth, we don't always train in a way that's consistent with health. We train in a way that's consistent with uh, being a gladiator. And being a gladiator yeah. is not healthy. 
whereas as we get older, actually, what's good training for a, a master's 50, 60-year-old endurance athlete is also reasonably well aligned with just good health. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I'm trying to go with that's, this. That's true. There's a better alignment. You know, youth is not designed for risk adversity. It's more, you know, youth, we, part of our genetics is almost risk-taking, which includes, as athletes, doing a lot of doubling down on intensity and going bananas in the weight room and getting injured and all those things that tend to get younger athletes hurt. Hopefully, wisdom and and a certain degree of just the realities of aging helps us to avoid some of those mistakes at, at 55. And then, you know, even my research on this polarized training, part of it is just that we just have misunderstood what good training looks like, even for younger athletes. Yeah. There's been a misconception that was propagated by, I don't know, different shoe companies or whatever, and, and cultural, you know, at least in American culture of no pain, no gain. Right. You know, and I've talked about this before, like a TED talk. And so part of that was never true. Okay. I see. You know, it was never true that that's how training actually works. No pain, no gain. You can't do pain training every day. Yeah. And, and, and we've learned that from top athletes, top endurance athletes that no, they do the work every day, but every day is not a pain fest or a suffer fest. Some days are tough, yes, but there has to be a rhythm. There has to be, you know, and we've t- I've talked about 80-20 and polarized training and all this, but a lot of it has to do with rhythm, a, a flow of, of the training process, of recovery and, and exertion, of, of hard, you know, stimuli. And, and that's true when you're young. And it's still true at our age that r- the search for a flow or rhythm in the training process. And I guess what I would say is the only thing that really changes is the frequency of the tops of the, of the peaks in that rhythm probably stretches. It slows down as we get older. Yeah. Because we, you know, you can, we can still go hard. I, I, yesterday I went hard. I mean, man, I had, I produced, I measure, I happen to just be doing some lactate measurements at home right now. So I happen to measure and I was 17 millimolar. That's high. Yeah. And so I was busting it and I could still do it. But, but the difference is, is that I'm not doing it today and I won't <laughs> be doing it tomorrow either. It'll be at least, it'll be 72 hours before I'll consider doing another really tough session. You know, whereas at yeah. 20, I could have, I would have probably recovered in, in 36 hours, you know? So ebb and flow has always been there. We've always needed it. And a lot of, in youth, we sometimes forget to do it. We try to just go hard every day, but the, yeah, it's just the recovery time is slowed down. You know, you can almost use a rule of thumb these days when you get older, you probably, if you do a super tough interval session, you probably need to think three days recovery. Recovery doesn't mean doing nothing. It just means not yeah. not punching on the on the the nitro button, you know, in for three days. Yeah. Just doing not hitting that max number. Yeah, you know, you're just going to give yourself time to to recharge, refill, and, and reload before you're going to do that new hit. But you know, we can still do this. And then and then how we define hard workouts, I think also changes at least it has for me because used to me for me it was always uh, hard was like i don't know six eight times three minutes or you know ten times one thousand it was always these just really if i wasn't hitting nearly max heart rate and high lactate and that and it just was not a hard workout yeah well i don't feel that way anymore some of my most fatiguing workouts last three hours two and a half hours you know, masters yeah. races against these really good 65 kilo riders that can climb like crazy, man, if I can stay anywhere close to being with them in the second hour, the last 30 minutes of a race, 
then I am happy. And But I also know I am going to be fatigued for a couple of days after. Yeah. You know, so it's a different kind of exertion or we're stretching our exertion over a longer f- time frame. But we shouldn't say that doesn't count or that's not hard training. It is hard training. And, and it actually is also what we can be relatively still pretty darn good at. Right. You know? So you've been talking about some things that guide you and in, in your thinking of what it is that you want to do. I wonder if we could kind of generalize it. The first thing, I guess training has always, to summarize it to the tip of the pyramid, would be like training has to be consistent, progressive, and then like modulated, varying over time. But the first word in there is consistent, which I think has got to be the most important thing. And that, I think, becomes even more true as you become older. I think you become deconditioned faster, that your stiffening ligaments and fascia and tendons shrink up on you faster. So the first rule, I think, has got to be, but tell me what you think, has got to be don't stop. Keep it going. Don't take two weeks off or, two, you know, heaven forbid, two months off or, oh my gosh, a year off. Don't do that. If you can avoid it, because it's going to be so hard to recover from that, what do you think? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think consistency is a hallmark of success in everything. So I don't think that really is different from 25 to 55 or 75. Anything you want to be good at, you just need to be consistent at, whether it's writing or or playing the piano or, or running. You, you win on consistency. But, but the thing that we forget is that consistency implies that, or I think to, in, to have consistency, it has to have some measure of joy. There needs to be some measure of enjoyment in the process. That doesn't mean it, you're not sweating. It doesn't mean you don't get tired. It doesn't mean you don't have rough days. But I believe part of sustainable training, part of what we see in masters athletes that are still doing it after all these years, it's because they love it. They yeah. love the process and they have, they enjoy being out on the bike. They enjoy being run in, out doing it, you know, being with their friends, being in the group, they enjoy it. And, and if you're not having, if there's no joy, then we got a problem within the training. There's yeah. something wrong with the training program, but if there is joy, if there is camaraderie, if there is whatever it is that, that, you know, gives you that good feeling, it's not all about how hard, high your heart rate is, your lactate, then you will have the consistency because we do things that we enjoy more often. Sure. So I would say one of the keys to a, an active long, you know, longevity as an athlete is joy, is just appreciating getting out there, whether it's in the Zwift environment or outdoors or wherever, whatever. Everyone, I, I just like meeting and I see in, in the in the Masters athletes, they're not going to win any gold medals anymore, but they're in it because they love it. Yeah. Whereas in youth, in younger athletes, you know, we have athletes that I've met, I've talked to, even one of the top runners in Norway, he's a gold medal, you know, candidate for the Olympics. He says, look, running's my job. I don't do it because I like it. Oh. You know, he's 20 and he's one of the best runners in the world. 328, 1500 meters. And he says on open mic podcast, ah, running's my job. It's hmm. not, it's not fun. Well, yeah. you know, okay, you can do that at 20. And, but I'm pretty sure he'll be retired at 26, you know, because he's been burning the yeah. candle hard since he was 10. That's not sustainable. He, he's not. It's it's not likely he's going to be running because he just the joy. It's joyful for him to get out and run at age sixty. Yeah, that won't be the case. And I've heard a lot of stories like that with kids who have been pushed by their parents and they overdo it. And then you know swimmers in particular. Oh, yeah. And then they're done. They're never in the pool again after they're twenty years old. Nope. So so that's you know I, I think. Part of the success equation for good performance as, as we get older is, 
enjoying it. And if you're enjoying it, that probably also means you're modulating the the intensity more appropriately because it's hard to have joy if you're banging your head every day uh, thinking that that's the only way to get better. That's not joyful. That's that's pretty darn psychologically stressful as well as physiologically and physically injurious. So the, (laughs) the, the, the two go together, I think is, is when you see athletes that are smiling and enjoying the process, at least on most days, then they're probably doing a whole lot right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And that actually is advice that I think people will take uh, if they haven't already uh, already figured that out for themselves. There's a second, at least one other part to this don't stop consistency prescription, and that is don't get injured. Mm. And some injuries are worse than others, but all injuries stop you in some way. And maybe to some extent, they take some of the joy out if you're in pain that that's not Mm. very joyful. So, but there's, there's a couple of parts to not getting injured. I, I would think, tell me what you think. One is you should be really careful about your risk reward choices going for the sprint when it's mayhem, you know, in the real life, not on Zwift. Yeah. On Zwift, it's fairly, it's fairly benign <laughs> either way. That's what I like. <laughs> exactly. I almost never fall off my bike on Zwift. So that's it. <laughs> I prefer racing on Zwift myself because I can't get injured in this particular way. But, you know, zooming downhill at 70 miles an hour, these kinds of things, I think that the the older athlete is going to have less resilience to bounce back from big injuries. And so that's a thing that's got to be considered in how do you keep from stopping? Uh, and another, which is something that we've talked about uh, you've talked about in in what you do is you, you've got recovery is just this word. It's 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 sort of everybody gets what it means. It to me it feels sort of like a a young man's game. An older guy's game is maintenance. <laughs> you gotta. It's like having an old car. And I don't know if anybody has old cars anymore. But when I was a kid, you know, the only kind of car we could afford would be some old beater, and you'd have to work on it all the time. You wouldn't wait till it broke down to work on it. You'd be working on it to make sure it didn't break down on you because you knew it was going to break down on you. <laughs> so maintenance is the is becomes a big part of this this uh this game. What do you think? Oh yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's an interesting analogy. Uh and I'm I'm thinking again back to the the, the African uh savanna, you know, and, and that lion or that cheetah they are genetic bundles of power. Yeah. And all they have to do after a chase is just rest and they're back. They're good again. They don't train, you know, training is chasing the Buffalo and knocking it down, you know, and in their youth, that's exactly like the young buck in, you know, the human is that mostly like you say, it's just, yeah, if they just sleep it off, they survive most every stupid thing they do, whether it's a, a drunken party or a too hard interval session or a crash on the bike. If they just get some rest time, then their their body's going to serve, you know, it's going to recover. That's kind of what they're designed to do thanks to genetics. But then once we get older, we don't have that going for us anymore. The recovery still happens, but it goes pretty darn slow. And if we were on the savanna, we'd be in trouble because we'd be laying under the tree too long and get our butts eaten. So, so, uh, but as humans, we have the ability to, to do some proactive work and, and I'm a, you know, that's exactly where that strength training comes in, but also, you know, like I'm, I'm having back issues, you know, and, and I've got to do these exercises. I just realized I can't wait for the back pain. I can't wait for the hole in the roof, you know, every time. And then I say, oh, you know, it's, it's not raining anymore and I don't need to fix the roof. Well, it's <laughs> kind of the same thing is, is we don't, we, we don't, we go to the physio, we go to the acupuncture, or the chiropractor or whatever, when it's just so damn bad that we can't get out of bed. Whereas if we had just done the, the, 
a bit of maintenance, you know, start each day with some stretches and some, you know, mobilization exercises, it doesn't take a whole lot to stay below that injury threshold. Right. I think that's one of the things is it's not like we got to stretch, do hot yoga for two hours. You know, we, but if we can spend 10, 15 minutes, you know, on a rubber mat in front of the TV while you're watching CNN or whatever, and just, just doing some, some mobilization stuff to keep yourself below that injury threshold, joint mobilization, tendons, you know, your low back is usually going to be a, or at least for a lot of people, it's going to be a, a, a soft spot or weak spot. Sure. So a, a little goes a long way with, with, but, but it needs to be done before it's, you're in a crisis. Yeah. Preventive maintenance. Yeah. So right. I don't know what you want to call it so that you don't have to feel like it's a pain in the butt, but, but it is meditate, you know, it's something it's almost meditative, but just a little time out, just doing a little, you can combine it. You know, I, I'm terrible at that stuff. You know, I don't stretch and that, but, but, uh, I've, I've realized that's part of my reality now, you know? Yeah. I can't, my, my son is like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do deadlifts? Why aren't you doing squats? And, <laughs> you know, you used to be buff and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but my back, I just, you know, I've got, I, I can't afford to just get hurt, you know? But, but that's, it's like, he is, he's young me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's looking at old me and and he's just shaking his head in disappointment. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. But I'm t but then I'm saying to him, I'm saying, son, you got to listen to me. You're going to pay for your sins. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but but he won't. He won't. But maybe in 20 yeah. years he will. Well, he'll remember what you said. He'll say, you know, my dad told me. <laughs> and, yeah. And then he'll he'll take your advice. Yeah. But then he'll be 40. 45 you know well as long as he hasn't blown out his back or something yeah it won't be too late yeah okay well and so and when i think of strength training i i specifically don't think of deadlifts and squats nah. and these big heavy weight things which you know maybe they help me on the bike and maybe they don't i'm not really sure but what they do is they up my chance of hurting myself so I try, you know, I'll do body weight split squats mm. and just do a lot of them. And, you know, and that way, maybe I'm not, no, maybe I'm not growing huge type two muscle fiber muscles. Okay. But you know what? I'm also not injuring myself and, and then having to take months or years off of what it is that I find joyful. Yeah. Well, even, even in top sport, it's risk reward. You know, I used to, the first publication I ever had, I was I was collecting data on a uh, college football team, uh, Division One, top ten in, in the United States. The coach let me have forty athletes as a master student to measure their anaerobic power and stuff. But in the process, I would I talk to strength coaches, and they were like, they said, "Look, our job is not is not to get these athletes hurt. If if we hurt them in the weight room, we get fired." <laughs> you know, so. That was all, already, I was drilled in from these coaches. They said, look, it's always about cost benefit is, is as strength coaches, we know that if we overload a kid and we hurt them doing heavy squats or power cleans and they're not out on the field, our jobs are on the line. Yeah. Right. Because the head coach wants athletes on the field. So that thinking is, has been, it, at least in the good, co good coaches know that, but just the threshold for what is acceptable risk reward or cost benefit is a lot higher. If you're an alpine skier or American, you know, you're a college football player or whatever, you're going to do some pretty darn heavy duty stuff because you're doing some pretty damn dangerous stuff on the, on the slopes or on the field. Yeah. Right. But for us as older athletes, for the most part, we're not doing that stuff. I'm not getting getting double smacked by a defensive free safety after a catch anymore. And I am not, you know, driving a motorcycle or whatever in a race. So I'm not doing all that risky stuff that would that would maybe justify me doing a bit more risky training also. 
I'm Zwift racing for two hours. So my risk of injury on the Zwift race is pretty darn low. So let's not get hurt <laughs> in the weight room, you know? <laughs> so exactly. it, the whole risk reward equation just tends to, for most of us, go down towards lower risk, lower, you know, risk of in also in the sport. We're not doing the super scary stuff anymore. Uh, good grief, man. When I got kids, that that helped me real quick say, you know what? I don't want to die stupid. I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want, I'm going to put the helmet on even when I'm commuting. I'm, I'm not going to be stupid. I, I don't want my kids to lose me just because I was an idiot. Right. So I think that already we don't have to become 55, 60 to start thinking a bit differently than we do when we're 20, but we can also be intelligent about it in the weight room. And yeah, there's the heavy squats, which I used to do too, and the deadlifts and power cleans and all that stuff. You know, I blew out my shoulder doing a hundred kilo, uh, snatch that, you know, the Olympic lift where you throw it over your head. Uh, yeah. I'm still, that's where my shoulder, my shoulder still hurts 40 years later. Huh. Uh, so yeah, I'm not doing any of that stuff, but I tell you what I am doing. And I think that is that I'm, you know, in my fitness center, there's a green little stretch of artificial turf goes about 20 meters, 25, 30 meters. And I do like repeated standing broad jumps. I do side to side hops. I do, you know, just a, a bit of a bit of speed power kinds of stuff with my body weight. Yeah. And I would definitely, I think that is, that's definitely a, a low risk, high reward kind of activity to do is just to, you know, engage your motor co- control, your quickness, your, and I think that can help you avoid falling on ice. It can help you a- sure. a- avoid a lot of injuries in just your daily life is just doing some speed kinds of movements without heavy loads, but just, you know, I I really, or just jumping up on a 24 inch box, you know, you find what works for you that your knees hand on everything. Just do retain some of that youthful power movement, because that's the one thing we, we do tend to get rid of that stuff. And you watch runners, older runners, they, they tend to sit, they don't have that good hip extension, so this is both performance enhancing and injury prevention in 15 minutes worth of work. Yeah, yeah. So agility, oh, and yeah. balance. You can, you know, because a little goes such a long way with this stuff. If you just do it a couple times a week, I mean, it doesn't have to be more than 15 minutes worth of time investment. Two times 15, uh, that's a pretty small chunk of total training for most master's athletes. Yeah. So, and remember also for those of you who are cyclists, you know, you may be cycling 10, 12 hours a week, but you need some, you need some, uh, muscle loading, some bone loading, you know, because cycling doesn't give you any of that bone health maintaining stimuli on, you know what I mean? We, what right. we know from research is you need some what should I say, jumping some loading on the bone to maintain good bone density. So that's another reason. Yeah. So it is just win, win, win to, to spend a little time in the weight room, just copying what you would have done naturally at age 12. And that's just hop, skip, jump stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also posture related, because maybe they're spending 10 hours on the bike, but they're also spending 80 hours in a chair, you know, and these things combine to make us not stand straight up. So, you know, trying to get your body balanced. Yeah. So the great point. And, and, you know, so doing any, what you're going to find is your, the, the muscles of the front side of your body are tight because you're not, you, you know, they're not stretching out. I find that is so if I just get lay sit on my knees on the AstroTurf and just try to sit straight up and stretch back, man, I'm feeling that in my quads. I'm feeling it everywhere, you know. So so that tells yeah. me that, okay, I need this, you know, because all I'm doing is just doing what a kid would do without thinking about it. And it's training for me. Right? 
So yeah. probably I need this and, and I need to counteract that those thousands and thousands of repetitions where I'm in that, that, like you say, that bent over position in cycling. Right. Um, so, so I think it's a reasonable thing to think whatever sport you do, think about the movements that you do thousands of times and then try to reverse them yeah. in the strength training, try to unwind right. them. I don't know if you've got any other rules that, that might have come to your mind, but I want to mention one that a lot of what we've talked about here is for the person who's been doing it a long time, but there's plenty of people out there who haven't been, or they used to, and then they stopped. And I guess I would say that if you fall into that category, then get going as fast as possible because it only gets harder the longer you wait to get going again. And all of this stuff is good. You don't have to want to try to make it to the Olympics. You're trying to be a healthy person who enjoys their life. And there's a lot of joy in athletics, as you were talking about, but it also is good for you being healthy and having good longevity. And all of these things are good things. So get started and sooner is better than later. Oh, yeah. And plus, it's fun and you can get better for a long time, you know? And so that's joy, that's kind of cool too, because there's not very many things yeah. we can do in our professional life where we're going to get a whole lot better uh, <laughs> at it at 55. You know, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but but if, <laughs> but if you have been away from sport, or even if you've never done anything, you've never competed in in running or cycling or whatever, and you get into Zwift and you're just getting your butt kicked, well. Oh, that's fine. That just tells you that that uh, it's a process, but but yeah. you will be surprised how much fa how fast you will improve just by getting on the bike pretty often, you know, and extending your time. Start with thirty minutes and then forty five, you know, and just let time. Don't think you have to go hard from the start. Just think about doing a bit more of it, getting stretching yourself, you know, getting comfortable with an hour of the same thing, you know, because most of us old dogs, we've forgotten what it used to be like. But if you're a normal person that hasn't been doing all this stuff, doing something repetitively for an hour sucks. <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's no fun to run for an hour or walk or, or ride for an hour. But it's amazing how quickly you get past that. And it's really feels cool. You know, when I got started cycling, I was like 30 minutes, geez, I'm already tired, you know, <laughs> but, but now, now 30 minutes, I'm not even warmed up. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm still, yeah. you know, so it doesn't, I, I guess my exuberance is, I just want to say, man, keep go. Don't be afraid. It's going to get better. And in fact, it's going to be so cool. Cause you're going to say, man, I'm, I've improved so much in such a short time. And, and that's not something we get to experience yeah. in all walks of life. Well, awesome. This has been really great. This is exactly what I was hoping that we would be able to achieve today. Was there anything else, Dr. Seiler, that you would want to add to this or have we covered it? Oh, I'm sure we could find lots of stuff to talk about. I, I, I know I, you know, I've had a great time and I think we just need to um, be a little bit kind to, I, I say this to my daughter who's extremely hyper competitive and I say, you know, remember, be a bit kind to yourself. I know that's not a very macho thing to say, but a bit of kindness, a bit of self-understanding and, and allows the other to also happen. If I'm a little kind to myself today, I'm able on Sunday to be that 55-year-old gladiator still. You know, I can still go yeah. hard, but I have to I have to balance it with you know, because you can't just be hard on yourself, brutal against yourself, mean to yourself every day. That's not, that's yeah. not being an athlete. It may say, it may be what we were taught, but that's not, that's not, that's not the real warrior athlete, at least not at our age. Yeah. It's a, it's a balance. It's a balance of kindness and, and relentless relentlessness you know because we're still we're relentless we're not go we're not going away you know we're still in this hunt yeah but that balance we have to find awesome well thank you very much dr seiler for people who maybe want to find your work or or even possibly even get in touch with you i know you're pretty active on twitter 
and I can put your handle in the show notes. And obviously you have a channel on YouTube. Is there any place else that you'd want to send people? Well, the hardcore science geeks, they can find me on ResearchGate as well. Or you don't have to be that hardcore, okay. but but I, my actual research publications, most of them are available there. Something called ResearchGate. It's like social media for science geeks. All right. <laughs> we'll figure that out and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Well, thanks again, Dr. Seiler. Uh, it's been a very enlightening conversation as well as a huge part of a joyful life for me to uh, talk to you. Well, thank you so much and, and the same. So uh, good luck. Thanks very much. Look forward to hearing this interview and seeing, listening to what stupid things I actually said. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in to my discussion with Dr. Seiler on how to achieve athletic longevity. And thanks to Dr. Seiler for helping us out. He is one of those rare ones who deals in facts and walks the walk. If you head over to wiseathletes.com, you can send Glenn and I a question to address on the podcast, see all of our episodes, subscribe to our podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter. If you are on social media and enjoyed this episode, please post about it. That would be a great help. Thanks again.